Good morning. Welcome to the second service. We had uh, an awesome first service with uh, one person getting saved. We had 110 people here this morning, so we were pumped in the first service, and um, we're certainly pumped that you guys are here for another good crowd. And uh, first-time guests, we want you to know uh, we're so excited that you're here. We're grateful that you've decided to come and worship with us, and we got a, a series that we're very excited about. Before I say anything about the series, I just want to brag on uh, some people that did a lot of work in the last few weeks. If y'all notice, if you've been here before and if you hadn't, you can just enjoy it for the first time. But um, there's there's a lot of new stuff and like some crazy, like I don't know what that is, like Jurassic Park on the wall, but I think it looks really cool. And then um, like the lights are different in here and then out front um, it's completely different. And I thought Austin and his team did an amazing job and a bunch of our volunteers, and I didn't do any of it. So I, <laughs> I, I'm grateful for them because I didn't, I didn't do that. And I just want to say how grateful I am for them and for all of you guys that either volunteer sometimes or did today. Um, you're what makes this church what it is, and you're, you are why we had a young man get saved this morning. That is what it's all about, and that's what we're excited about is reaching the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. And so we just want to tell you that we're pumped and we're grateful for all of you. Now, this sermon series is something that I've been very excited about for a long time because Marvel is a synonym for miracle. And for a lot of us in our lives, we're going through a really tough time. As a matter of fact, I, I told the first service this. Um, on Wednesday, I had one of the craziest days of my life. Um, and it was just like I, I had meeting after meeting after meeting. And it was like just craziness took place from bell to bell. And it wasn't bad craziness. It was just like people hurting craziness. And seriously, from, from 6 a.m. until 7 p.m., there was someone, I don't really have an office, I, it's makeshift in the back, but someone was in the office part of the day, the entire day, because there was a lot of hurting people. And this is what I realized. It's not by chance that we're doing this, this uh, sermon series. It's because there's a lot of people in here that need a touch from Jesus, that need a miracle in their lives. And the thing that I find so cool about this sermon series and about Jesus in general is why he did miracles. And there were lots of reasons, but the part that we're going to talk about is the fact that Jesus did miracles to meet people's needs, to help people with a problem. And so I don't ask y'all to talk a lot during the service, but I'm going to ask you to right now, just respond. How many of you in your life right now are hurting? How many of you need a touch from the maker and how many of you can honestly say you need a miracle in your life right now? You, you could use a miracle. Like you're struggling really bad and you could use a miracle. So a lot of us, right? A lot of us. We could use a miracle in our lives. That's like half the church. The first service, it was like three quarters. A lot of us need miracles. Like we're struggling. We're struggling. And that's why we're pumped about this, this sermon series is because I believe with all my heart, some of you that are sitting in the room today in completely different places are going to walk out of here not the same that you were before we started this sermon series. So let's pray together. God, um, just in the next few minutes and over the next few weeks, uh, will you touch us like only you can? Will you help us receive a miracle? Because in all honesty, Lord, um, God, there's some hurting people. There's some people that are struggling. There's some marriages that are falling apart. There's some people struggling with substances. There's some people, um, Lord, that are just in a battle and they don't know where to turn. And this morning, Jesus, we want to tell you that we're grateful that we can turn to you. And that no matter what happens from this point forward, 
if we meet Jesus, we'll never be the same. So we love you, Jesus. We're excited about what's about to happen in the next couple minutes. And we give you this day because you're worth it. We love you. Amen. So before I get into my sermon, I just want to say this, okay? If you know me, you know that I'm a Gamecock fan, all right? You know that I'm a Gamecock fan. And a lot of people thought that I had a shadow in the first service. Here's what it really is, okay? It's not a shadow. It's, it's, I look like a raccoon because I was at the game yesterday sitting in the sun, and it's like sunburn and mad, okay? Because I think Georgia just scored again. I'm not positive, but it was miserable. So, so if you like South Carolina, I'm like I hurt with you. And if you don't, you can enjoy that because it was the most miserable thing ever. So we needed a miracle yesterday, and I was thinking of the sermon series while it was taking place. Jesus, if you're gonna perform a miracle, the Gamecocks need some help, and he didn't answer the bell. So there you go. So, um, miracles happen in the Bible for all kinds of different reasons. And obviously, if, if you know the Bible and, and you're familiar with God, and, and, and this isn't like a new story for you, and if it is, it's, we're so pumped that you're here. But, it, but if this is new for you, miracles happen to give God glory, to, to, that God the Father could receive glory. Miracles also happen so that people believe that Jesus was who he said he is. But like I said just a second ago, for us in this particular series, what we're going to look at is the fact that Jesus never performed a miracle just because he walked out the door and said, you know what, like there's, there's just stuff on the ground and I'm bored, so I'm just going to make bugs. Or, or I'm just going to make birds start flying because there's no birds around and I just poof, I'm going to make birds. He wasn't a, a magician. He didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm just going to wake up and just make all this stuff happen. He always, listen to this, because this is important for your life. He always met a need. There was always a cause and then Jesus met the need. Always. If you read in the Bible, there's never one exception. Jesus always met a need in his miracles. And for you today, for you today, and there's a lot of you, and you know who you are, and you know what your needs are, this is what you need more than you need the next breath that you will take, is you need a touch from Jesus, and you need a miracle in your life. And so that's what we're offering you today. I want to give you two very simple points that I think are really cool, and we're going to look at John chapter 2. John is my favorite book in the Bible because I think it's very simple on the surface, and I think it's awesome for a first-time believer, or if you've never read the Bible before, I think it's awesome to start in John. But once you start digging, it is unbelievable what nuggets of treasure you find in truth. And so John is my favorite book, and we're going to look today at John chapter 2, the very first miracle God ever performed. And this is why I think this one's interesting. It might be my favorite one because... When Jesus turned water to wine, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal in light of all the other things he did. Like he walks on water, right? It's a pretty big deal. If you saw a dude walk on water, would it not freak you out? It should, by the way. This is, this is, not, this is not hard. This is Yes, it would freak me out. Is this either a magic trick and it's not real and he's got like some kind of crazy shoes or that cat's crazy? Like why is he walking on water, right? And if you saw someone raise someone from the dead... Like, we used to act when I was a kid. We, we, I was in, like, the passion play, and we would act it out, and everybody would be like, oh, no, that's not how you react when a dude gets raised from the dead. You lose your mind. You're like, a dude was dead, and he's arrived now. What the crap just happened, right? You lose your mind. Water to wine, it's like, huh, that's, that's a little weird, but I wouldn't lose my mind like a dude getting raised from the dead. So why would it be in? Like, why would it be such a big deal? And that's the beauty of this, of this message and this whole story. And why I think for some of you, this one will be the most significant one. This one will be the most significant one. 
So the first thing that I want you to see as we're about to read John chapter 2 is Jesus hung out with people. Jesus wasn't just the dude that, that stayed in his room or stayed in the church, right? Because sometimes if you're like me, you think, if I could just be around y'all, who I love, y'all are my family, this is my church family. If I could just hang out in here, I wouldn't get into the crap that I get in out there. And that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus hung out with people. Jesus was, Jesus was into hanging out with a bunch of people out there. And that's why we say, we want to take what's in here and go out there. This is not for in here. It is for out there so we can reach the least, the lost, and the lonely with the gospel. Because we love people and we want to be like Jesus and that's what he was. So y'all follow along with me. John chapter 2. In the first few verses. And this is what it says. On the third day, Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, I'm just telling y'all this, okay? This is free. Don't call your mom a woman, all right? Because if you call your mom a woman, you're going to get slapped. Y'all going to get smacked, all right? But that was in the Bible times, that was like mama or something in love. If, if y'all say woman to your wife or something, Y'all be meeting with me next week because there'll be some you'll be jacked up. Your, your wife punch you in the eye and y'all probably deserve it. So don't call you, don't say woman. But Jesus wasn't being disrespectful. He was showing love. He said, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to his servants, Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Now, this is the part that I want y'all to get with this because there's so much to it. I mean, obviously, Jesus' mom was was encouraging him to help. And we really, at this part in the story, we really don't understand why it was so important, but we're going to in a second. But this is the part that I find interesting, is this is not just a wedding. Like, when you read through this, if you're like me, and some of y'all might not be, might be smarter, there's probably a bunch of you that are, but that's okay. If, if you're like me and you think a wedding, this is what I think of. And if you're, um, I got some, some of my African-American friends are here today. I'm grateful that y'all are here. Just being honest, African Americans do weddings different than we do. Would y'all say that's right? I mean, y'all do. Y'all, it's a party. It's all day. It's much more like it was in the Bible. Because this is what a white people wedding's like. Okay, this is what, we show up. Typically, the wedding lasts about twelve minutes. All right? Because I'm gonna say, y'all, yes, y'all, yeah, boom, 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 kiss, and then it's over. Have y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's just let's just get it done, right? Let's just get it done, and then sometimes depending on our family and stuff, the rehearsal or the reception afterwards, I mean, it lasts about 12 minutes also. So in about 30 minutes, we got them married and we got them out. They have eaten the cake. They have drank the punch. They are out because the papers are signed. Let's go. We're done. Now, if you've been, if you have friends, African-American friends, you've been to their weddings, it's better because it's more like a party and it lasts longer. And it was much more like it was in Jesus' day except for they took it to a whole nother level and it took between three and seven days. Now, I want y'all to just take this in. I love y'all. I love a bunch of you. I got nothing but love for all of y'all. I'm not going to y'all's wedding if it lasts three to seven days because I don't, I like, it's awkward. Where do you sleep? Have y'all, I mean like, the first whole day, if it took from like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., I'm like, I'm looking at Leah going, this is like shopping. We're going to have to get up out of here because it's taking way too long, but at least it was only one day. On the third day, I'm going to be like, for real. But this was a party. It was an event. And Jesus hung out with these people for days. It was not like 
we do weddings in one hour and like, thank God we can get out of here, right? It was a whole day event. It was a celebration. It was a party. And Jesus was in amongst these people, loving on these people. Most likely, just for your information, this was like a second or third cousin or just a really close friend of Jesus. And he was hanging out with them. He was with them. And I, I, I don't know if I've, it blows my mind that they did weddings for almost a week. But it was a party. This Weddings were not like they are for us. And some people do parties, but it, it was really, really, really a party. Like it was a huge celebration. It was an event. And you had to have the best. And Mary came to Jesus at this time. And I want y'all to get this, all right? Please don't miss this part. Mary came to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. And Jesus said, what does this have to do with me? Because he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to make a huge spectacle. But he knew in his heart that it was time to do his first miracle. And this is why it was important. And this is the part that I believe for every one of us in this room today, it can rock your world. All right. And there's so much beautiful truth to this. But this is y'all got to get this. In Jesus's day, to run out of wine was punishable, punishable by a huge fine by the government. They would replace your wine with new wine. They would charge you for that. They would punish you with a fine. And sometimes you were excommunicated from the village that you lived in. In other words, if you did this, it was not just like being at a party and you're the dude that party fouls and doesn't bring enough food. You run out of nachos and that's not cool. No, it wasn't the Super Bowl party without Doritos. It was you get excommunicated from the village you live in and this is a huge deal. So water to wine is not just a cool magic trick where you can make water and you sprinkle it over and ooh, it's red, it's cool. This was a tragedy in the lives of really good people that were his family and they had run out and there was a lot of time left. And Jesus was sitting there and, and, and he loved hanging out with people. And this was the decision that Jesus had to make. Do I really care about you? Like you're hurting and, and let's be honest, someone laying dead, okay? Someone blind that Jesus healed, 12,000 plus people very hungry on the side of a mountain or my second, third cousins or very close friends, whatever they were in relation, they're gonna be embarrassed and they're gonna be fined. Do I really care about those little problems? And this is what I find so beautiful. A lot of times I hear people say, you know what, my problems really aren't that important because in comparison to other people, it's not really that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal to Jesus. No, your problem is a big deal to Jesus. Your problem is a big deal to Jesus. Jesus cares about you. And friend, I'm gonna tell y'all something. Some of y'all right now, you're facing a major crisis in your life, a huge, huge problem in your life. And here's what's beautiful about Jesus is all the crisis is in your life is an opportunity for Jesus to show you how much he loves you and perform a miracle. That is why miracles take place. You know why we miss miracles all the time is because I try to fix my problems. And y'all, that's what could have happened at the wedding parties. They could have, the bridegroom, they could have run out and said, oh my gosh, we're going to be so embarrassed. We've got to go find something. They could have run in the streets and they could have begged people for help. I've got to fix this. I've got to fix this. I've got to fix this. I've got to do something. I've got to fix something. I've got to do something. No, you can't. And y'all, listen, for some of you, you can. You've tried, right? You've tried and you can't. And I love you and I've talked to you. 
and I'm just giving pastoral counsel because it's not really that good anyway, and I try really hard, but I'm just giving you words that I think Jesus wants me to say, but I, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you who can fix it. It's Jesus. And you know why? Point number two. Point number two, Jesus cares about your problems. Jesus cares about my problems. Jesus cares about every little detail problem in my life. Jesus cares about my problems, man. Jesus loves me. Jesus knows every thought that I have, every sin that I'm in, every struggle that I'm with. And yet when I'm in my deepest struggle, I can have hope in this. That in my bottom of my pit or in my deepest valley, in my worst of circumstances, there's a miracle that is going to take place if I just rest in him and trust in him. Does that mean I'm going to be rich? No, that, that has nothing to do with it. What it means is because he wants to bring glory to his father and wants to use screw ups like me and you to change the world with the gospel. He will take you in the bad circumstances that you're in, in the frustrating times that you're in, and he will help you because he cares about each and every one of your problems. There's nothing too small for Jesus. There's no things too little. There's nothing too small for Jesus. Just keep, read along with me. I love this part of the story. In verse six, it says, now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rite of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Can, can y'all picture this with me? 20 or 30 stone jars. These were big, huge, like the 55-gallon drums. If you just kind of make them skinnier, they looked a lot like that. They were kind of just a skinny version of those big 55-gallon drums that we used to throw stuff away or have big fires. And so imagine being one of those servants, and Jesus looks at you and says, I want you to pick that up, and I want you to fill it with water. He, this is just a side thing, but this is why we encourage people to serve. You know, every time a person stands up and gets saved, like this morning, already one person has said yes to Jesus. Every person that is serving this morning had a huge part in that. Because if you weren't serving, I would just be standing up here by myself, no one here, no lights on, no microphone running. None of this would be here because this all happened because people are serving God obedience to God and his commandments is go into the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us and we will be our, his witness in Jerusalem and Judea and the ends of the earth and that is why we don't stay in here but we go out there and I think it's it, you can't miss this because Jesus asked people because don't you know like there was water right there don't you know Jesus could have just gone alright come on wine and it seems like he always chose to use screw-ups like me and you, to show his grace and to show his mercy to people that don't deserve it. Now watch this. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. When the master of the feast tasted it, the water had become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said, to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely and gotten crazy, then the poor wine, they get the box wine because no one cares about that box wine. And it, it came from, from the pharmacy and y'all ran out. But you have kept the good until now, the good wine until now. This was the first sign Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and it manifested his glory until his disciples believed. Now I want y'all to get this. Seriously, in almost every wedding in that day, they did have like a, a, a set aside wine. It was like daily, daily amounts of wine. 
And I don't know if you know this, but if you drink wine consecutively for a number of days, you get a little tipsy, right? And then after probably they had had a bunch of wine, you just keep drinking because you really don't care what it tastes like anymore. And then by the end of it, it's, it's seriously that box stuff. It's like, ooh, it's bad. I don't really care about that stuff. I don't want it. And so like, imagine being the guy that's in charge of the whole place and you taste it. Can you imagine how good that wine must have been that Jesus offered? And you take the, the cup and you taste it and you're blown away. Because that's sweet. And that's a lot better than I was expecting. I was expecting that box wine stuff. And that stuff right there, it's really good. It's good. Can I just tell you that this is the picture? This is the exact picture of what the world offers us versus what Christ offers us. Because last year, almost $400 billion were spent in advertisement in this country alone to get me and you to want something right now. I've got to have this now or I won't be happy. I've got to have it. I've got to have the next thing. I've, got to, I've just got to get this to have pleasure. And that's the wine now. And listen, sin is pleasurable for a season. It is always going to be fun to sin. Otherwise, we wouldn't do it, right? And so you enjoy it. If, if you're in a substance or, or, a, or addicted to something bad, or, or if you're having sex outside of marriage, that is fun. But it will lead to your destruction and you will run out of wine. And you will be in water at the end and you will be you will be miserable because you will look at yourself and say, why did I do this? It was all for good at first, but it runs out. I'm miserable. I can't believe that I fell for this. And people will turn their back on you because the ones that you thought were your friends at first are not your friends at all. And I'm just standing there and I'm empty and I'm and I'm and people have, have left me and I don't know what to do. What do I do now? But this is what Jesus offers you. The good is not always good at first. Sometimes it's just pretty good. Sometimes we go through those struggles that all of you are in right now. There's not a person in this room that is not going through something that you wish you could change. Here's what's great is all of you, you have an opportunity to let Jesus do a marvelous things inside of you and work a miracle. And this is what he offers you. He offers you salvation. And all of eternity you can live with him. And while on this earth, while on this earth, you can have peace that cannot be explained unless you trust Him as Savior. That in the worst of days, when I'm struggling worse than I ever have before, I can have peace in Jesus. And listen, there's a lot of people you're not at peace right now. You're not at peace right now because you've never given Jesus your entire life and said, I surrender it all to you. No, you're that, you're that bridegroom's family that is so nervous about getting excommunicated that you're going to fix everything. Listen, you can't fix it. There is no fix for sin. Sin is what separates us from God for all of eternity and all of us, me being the chief, the main one, deserves separation from God forever in hell. But this is the beauty of this picture. In Exodus, there was a story of Moses who was getting back at, at Egypt and he turned the Nile into blood and that was a picture of judgment. But this is the exact opposite. This is, this is the picture of Jesus turning water and giving his wine, the new wine, the fresh wine. And the wine that he poured out was the wine that he had on the cross. And every time we take communion, 
that is the picture of what we drink of his blood that he shed. Well, this was that picture. It was a picture of grace that he offers each one of you, not of judgment, but of grace. And this is the answer that you have to, to give today. Have I trusted Christ as Savior and made him Lord of my life? Not have I said a prayer with a preacher. Not have I been a good person. The Bible says there's no one righteous. None of us. Not one. Not, not, not have, you, have you done the Ten Commandments? Have you trusted Christ as Savior and tasted of His new wine? Have you, have, you been, have you received the grace that is offered? Have you tasted the wine that is not best at first, but it continues to get greater and greater so that one day when I die, and all of us will, that I'm excited because I'm going home. Because can I just be honest with you? I don't want to die today. I want to see Haston, who's crazy and never stops moving. And this, you wind him up and he just goes. He's 18 months old. I love him. And Lainey, who's five and she's wild. They're my people. And Leah. I want to grow old with her and see, see grandbabies and, and all this. I want to do all that. But, but this is not my home. I'm an alien and a stranger in this foreign land of this earth. And I can't wait till one day Jesus calls me home. And I get to stand before him and hug him and say, I'm home, Daddy. I'm home. Because the best wine is offered for all of eternity for me that have trusted him as Savior. And this is what I have to ask you this morning. Have you ever done that? Do you know that you know that you know that you've made Jesus Lord of your life? That if you stood before him today like all of us will someday, that you've made him king of kings, that you've confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you are saved. Is that you this morning? Because for one young man this morning, and I believe for more of you right now, that was not the case. And today is the best day. September 8, 2013 is the greatest day you will live on this planet because the day you meet Jesus. And so I'm just asking you right now, will you be honest? Because I don't get a medal or a prize if you say yes to Jesus but we all celebrate like crazy. So will you just be honest with me and bow your head and close your eyes in just a brief moment. With no one looking around, every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand so high in a second that you feel like your shoulder's about to come out of socket. How many of you know that you know that you know this is for everyone? I know for sure, Mark. I am certain. There's no doubt in my mind. I am saved. If I met Jesus today, heaven is my destination because my name is in the Lamb's book of life. I am, I am bought with a price. I have trusted him as Savior. That is me. Raise your hand as high as you can right now. Raise it up. Raise it up. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of hands up. Lots of hands up. If you put your hands down. There were about five, maybe six people that didn't raise their hand up. If, if that was you, I just want you to look at me. Look at me right where you are. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to point at you. I just want you to look at me right now. Everybody that didn't, thank you. Everybody that didn't, here's the question, okay? This takes boldness. This takes boldness. But I believe that you can do it. If you want that peace and that miracle to happen, and no miracle is greater than the day that I trust Christ and get what I don't deserve by God's mercy and receive his grace in that new wine, Today, if you want to get saved, if that's you, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right where you are. 
with no one looking, I just want you to say, Mark, that's me. First service, we had a couple men stand up and say, you know what, Mark, today's the day I will stand up. Who will be bold enough? I'm not going to point at you if you don't. This is between you and God. But I want to know who will be bold enough to say, Mark, more than I want anything in this world, more than I want my next breath, I want Jesus. If that's you, I just want, I invite you to stand up right where you are. Stand up right now. If you want to get saved right here and right now, will you just stand up on the count of three? One, two, three. Stand up. Don't let Satan keep you down. If you feel that knot in your stomach and you know you're supposed to stand up, stand up. Be the first one. There'll be some more with you. Be the first one. Who will stand up and say, Mark, that's me. Right now, I need Jesus. Who will stand up? What about for everybody else? Everybody else in the room. Everybody else in the room, what I'm going to invite you to do is stand up right where you are if you know you need a touch from Jesus. If you know you need a touch from Jesus. You need him to help you right where you are. You're saved, but you need help right where you are. Will you stand up right now and say, I am committed to making a difference. I am committed to letting Jesus reign in my life, reign supremely. I'm committed to not making it about me and trying to fix the wine that has run out, but letting Jesus make it new in me. If that's you, just stand up right where you are. Let's pray together as we close.